finding someone who can take over even part of what I do and do it 80% as well is still going to be beneficial for me. Welcome to a very special episode of the Game Changing Attorney podcast recorded live at the 2023 Members Only Game Changer Summit in Atlanta, Georgia. That is still going to be revenue generating because it's time generating. I now have freed up all of that time to pivot towards something that really needs my undivided attention. I'm Jessica Mogul, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. Alongside Michael Mogul, we've built this business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to Michael's name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, we sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. I'm taking over today's episode featuring our conversation with the CEO of Alexander Shannara Trial Attorneys, Alexander Shannara, partner at Nelson Elder Care Law, Josh Nelson, partner at Varghese Somerset, Anna Somerset, and co-founder of Cooper Elliott, Rex Elliott. We work really hard on allowing our people to grow, and sometimes that means putting them in uncomfortable positions. We do a lot of our marketing through national publicity in our cases. And I don't hesitate to put one of my young lawyers in front of the camera, even if they're nervous about it, right? It helps them grow. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney podcast. Welcome. You know, we're not going to have a legal leaders panel without talking about people and culture and hiring if I'm up here. So let's just do a quick intro. So I'll let each of you intro yourself. We'll start with you, Rex. Rex Elliott. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. We have an office in Cincinnati as well. Catastrophic injury law firm. I'm Anna Somerset with Barkey Somerset Law Firm in Fort Worth, Texas. We also have an office in Dallas. Our divisions are criminal defense, family, and personal injury. I'm Josh Nelson from right here in Metro Atlanta from Nelson Elder Care Law. We help people protect their assets as they I'm Alexander Shannara. We are a personal injury firm, a mass tort firm, and a property and casualty firm. And home office is Birmingham, but we do some nationwide stuff also. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all. So I want to kick this off, Anna, because it has stood out for me since we played your video that you said you have never lost a team member since you started with the coaching program. So tell us more about what are your non-negotiables in hiring or just to create such an engaged team? Yeah, I mean, what Chris taught us is not just about using the hiring funnel and finding the right people, but doing what it takes to retain them. So we're very intentional about those first 90 days. We are very quick to fire if it does not appear that there's a good culture fit. But once there is a good culture fit and we have trained that person and we have brought them into the fold, we're going to do what it takes to make sure that they succeed in the industry within our company. And sometimes that looks like a pivot. They may just not be in the right seat. So we've been able to take our A players and say, if this isn't your goal, what is it? And how do we get you there? And that's kept them around. I love that. What are some examples of bad cultural fit that you would recognize within those first 90 days? Cy Wakeman says it really well. Drama has no place in the workplace. 
And we always talk about self-reflection being the ultimate drama diffuser. So whenever we have people in those first 90 days that are showing us consistently that they're not taking accountability and they're not able to be reflective and focus on where they went wrong and where they can go right, we know immediately that's not going to be cohesive with our firm culture. Great. I love that you identify it quickly. Alex, I'm going to pivot to you. So I did want to take a moment here. You've said firsthand hiring top talent. They're your thoroughbreds. And in this recent hire of a head of people, what has that freed you up to personally be able to do more of? The stuff that I had to deal with or Mitri had to deal with, we no longer have to deal with that. When it came for me to hire attorneys, I understood the top talent. But when it comes to any other part, you know, a head of people or another role, unless you know that, how do you know if you're hiring a qualified person? And we tried it for a long time. And then we now understand that we need help when it comes to getting top talent in other areas in the firm. Yeah. And what has that allowed Mitri to spend his time doing or allowed you to spend your time doing now that you do have Shea in place? It allows me to do the things that I do best, right? Which is vision, finding top talented attorneys, expansion, working very closely with my thoroughbreds or my top lawyers on the better cases or the larger cases. It's probably changed Mitri's life because he doesn't have to deal with it every day. You know, we have like five or 600 employees now. So it's been a blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what would you say that position aside, any position, what qualities do you say do make a thoroughbred in your eyes? Well, I call them an A-plus person, someone like myself, someone who has the passion, the energy, the drive, they want it, they're motivated. There are some days I'm not motivated, but I tell you, there are some mornings when I'm not motivated, I think of Michael. I said, I know he's up at four o'clock already in the morning and he's doing his stuff. And you have to find that type of motivation. But It's people who just really love their art, their craft, their skill. They're trying to get better. They're teachable and they're just good people. Yeah, I love it. Josh, so you've had tremendous growth over the past few years, and I'll let you actually highlight what those numbers have looked like. But what trends have you noticed with your top performers who have helped you on that growth? I think getting the culture right is probably the most important part. You can really change a lot of the skills. You can change people's knowledge base, but you really have to make sure it's a good cultural fit because you have to have that team. And if they can't work well with the team, they're not going to stick around. I don't have the same success Anna has with keeping people forever, unfortunately. But as we've really started hiring and firing more on a culture, that's been the trend that has built a way stronger team than we've ever had before. Yeah. And just to paint a picture for the audience, where were you in size maybe three years ago versus now? Yeah. So admittedly, We used to do it way wrong. One of the best things we did for hiring was get me out of that process. I think I'm too optimistic and too hurried for hiring people. And so we got different HR department. We started looking at it for how do we look at the person's value rather than plugging them in. Famously, I'll say that we used to use the Ray Kroc method, get the lowest qualified person and just systematize everything. And that was a horrible firm to run. COVID, we lost a lot of people because the majority of our staff made less than what they could get under unemployment rules at the time. So we sat down with our core focus or what we'd call our thoroughbreds and said, what are we doing wrong? But what do we want to do right in the future? And whenever we looked at that, we said, let's get people that we can use their brains that can come in and really add value based on their personal experience. And then we defined our core value words and we failed at it. Just words that people would come in and they didn't really know what it meant. 
And so then we sat down again and really tried to make core values that we could live by, that we were comfortable hiring and firing for. What makes our firm at Nelson Elder Care Law different than walking in and just seeing somebody else's core value words on the wall? I think that's the biggest thing. To answer your question, we were originally at 16, now we're near 50. Got it. Yes. So they have, yeah, kudos. So Rex, we know you've got a very key player on your team and we know the power of a transformative hire. So what have been some of the transformative hires that you've made in your office? Yeah. So we kind of faced a crossroads about five or six years ago. And the first thing that we had to do was stop doing all the things that we were doing wrong. One of which was panic hires. We'd hire people as soon as we needed them. And that always led to getting somebody that we didn't want to have in there. It was just a terrible cycle. That's number one. Number two, we really drilled down into our mission, our why, what's our purpose. And we figured out that we were a pretty good law practice, but we were a terrible business. The reason that we practice law in my firm, certainly the business part of it's important, but we want to make the world a safer place. We want to make the world a better place. Somebody said it earlier, but lawyers have, I think, as much impact on this planet as anybody does. What we do is transformational. And so we figured out very early on that our why is to make an impact through our cases. It's great to contribute to charities and set up foundations and be in the community, but you can impact the world through your cases. It's not just the amount of money that you get from a jury or an insurance adjuster. If you're in that settlement phase, we work very hard to change policies and practices and procedures. We write laws, we get out and talk to people about behavior that's happening that needs to stop. And so once we decided that's our mission, it made it a lot easier for us to hire the team that we wanted. And the most important thing we did is we started hiring lawyers from federal clerkships and big law firms. About three months ago, I had the managing partner of Jones Day in Columbus tell me to stop hiring her associates. And the reality is big law firms do not monopolize great lawyers. Federal law clerks are tremendous resources to come in. This generation wants efficiency. They don't want the billable hour. They really don't. They might chase it because they've been brainstormed, but they want to work on interesting cases and they want to get in the courtroom. So in terms of our most transformational hires, they're really at the legal side of things. We have a chief operating officer, a chief marketing officer, a CFO, and the reality is that frees me and the other lawyers up that don't want to do that stuff to try our cases. And the other thing is we're not experts in those areas. So all those hires have been transformational to my law firm. Absolutely. And I want to dive in a little bit to hires. You actually didn't know what position you needed to hire. So can you elaborate a little bit on that refining process? Yeah. We have an office manager in my law firm that's been with us for decades, and she's phenomenal. Best employee I've ever had. We've had a really hard time finding a number two for her, not just a number two, but somebody that could grow into her position eventually. And so Crisp actually found this person and brought him in. And she's 26 years old. I can tell she's right in line with our mission. She's excited for the future. She can't wait to work with my office manager and it's two-way street. So it's been great. Great. Yes. I think that's the hard part. Sometimes you don't even know where you want to start with a position. All right, Alex, I'm going to come back to you. So you don't reach your level of success without demanding more and challenging more. How have you fostered an environment where these top performers can actually thrive? 
first you have to find those type of people, but then you have to constantly motivate them. I think the most important thing is always setting the bar higher. But I've mentioned this at a lot of different times. You have to lead by example. So when you get up and you're at work every day, and I understand you have to be healthy, and that's why I'm getting up a lot earlier in the morning. You cannot be an absentee owner. You have to be there. You have to be in the trenches with them. You have to challenge them. A lot of top thoroughbreds think they know everything, and then you have to bring them back down and explain to them that they don't know everything. And there's a little psychology to it, you know. I motivate them. It is funny when I'll say, well, look at this guy. He had a verdict in California for $168 million. I mean, you're really not that good of a lawyer. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's in a joking way because they're very talented people. But each one of your thoroughbreds is not a robot. And so you figure out who that person is and you learn how to speak to them in their own language. What motivates this one won't motivate that one. But when they know that you care and you're there with them and you're open to ideas, but you still accept them for who they are, but you push them. We all need pushing. That's just life. They're having a bad day. You push them. You motivate them. Yeah. Love it. So Anna, you guys have also had a lot of growth in the past few years, just as Josh has. And so as you have grown, how have you overcome that fear? Because you guys went all in with a mission. You went all in with the vision, all of those things. And so when you really introduced this new vision and new standard, how did you overcome the fear of disrupting what you had? It's been a wild process. For those of you who know the managing partner of our firm, Benson Varghese, my husband, he's the visionary and he has absolutely transformed how I evaluate risks. I'm a risk averse person, I think by nature. And he's really pushed me forward to continue to execute on what I would consider a very rapid accelerated growth. And what it took for me to get on board with that was to realize even if I think I'm the best at something, finding someone who can take over even part of what I do and do it 80% as well is still going to be beneficial for me. That is still going to be revenue generating because it's time generating. I now have freed up all of that time to pivot towards something that really needs my undivided attention. And so I think for me, it took that first step of taking myself out of practicing as much out of the intake process and starting to put people in place that I had trained and knew were capable of that growth and then empowering them to do those jobs. And as I saw their success, because I'm data-driven, I'm looking at the data, I'm like, this is successful, this is working. That empowered me to continue to do it with each and every position. It made that hiring and training process so much faster for us, which then in turn gave us the growth we were looking for. Absolutely. And do you mind sharing your numbers of how you guys have grown? I mean, past three years or so. Gosh, in the past three years, we've over 200% in revenue and over 80% in staff. And we expect to do 100% growth next year based on the current projections. Awesome. So Josh, coming back to you as well, when you have hired someone great, because I know you guys have incorporated Colby Print, every aspect into this. And once you have that person, how do you keep them committed? How do you get that buy-in from the very beginning that they want to be there? I think over time, we've developed it into something today that's a lot different than even a lot of the people we have. So Chelsea's here today. She's a rock star in my community. And whenever she started, it was because somebody was going out on maternity leave the following Monday. And so her training plan was, hey, here's a laptop. Where now, after a couple of years of being able to develop that, 
We have a 60-day onboarding plan. We use a lot of the stuff from Joy Coleman's book about sending a video from me to new hires, making sure that whenever they come in, their desk has their favorite candy, a little gift card, maybe whatever their favorite Starbucks drink is. But then following up with them every week for those first 60 days to make sure that they're making the progress that we want. And that also helps us determine whether or not they're the right people. Unfortunately, like we just had a paralegal that we didn't test if they could use Microsoft Word because we assumed that was understood. First weekend, she couldn't do it. And so those are the milestones that you get some visibility to weed out the people that your testing didn't find. But to get the buy-in for the people is that real 60-day plan. Some positions we have 120-day onboarding now, and we're continuing to grow that, turn it into a real year-long process. Love it. It's all a structure. It has to be something that's like a cadence. And now are you doing all of these check-ins or do you have a team in place doing those? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) I wish that I could, but it's just not something that I'm great at. And so I have somebody that goes in and does that. A lot of times their direct supervisor will be the one that does it. Sometimes it'll be somebody from HR. And we find that a good balance of that helps get those cultural things really embedded. Now, Rex, as you have put in place leadership positions, CMO, CFO, COO, things like that, have you run into any struggles with just growth in that process of maybe your other team members and putting layers in place and maybe you're not the go-to anymore? So how have you overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, I think in general, they're happy that I'm not the go-to anymore. (laughs) Part of it is when you bring somebody in, like we just hired Carl Kirshner or COO, you can't let him come in and just blow everything up. He's got to feel it out a little bit and build relationships and understand who people are. We work really hard on allowing our people to grow. And sometimes that means putting them in uncomfortable positions, right? We do a lot of our marketing through national publicity in our cases. And I don't hesitate to put one of my young lawyers in front of the camera, even if they're nervous about it, right? It helps them grow. And that's a role that I think our COO is going to be able to fill a little better than I can in the future. So I think we've avoided the challenges and the struggles when somebody comes in like that, taking it nice and slow, surveying the lay of the land before you jump in and start making changes. Right. Awesome. So Alex, you are now on a national level, so you've gone far beyond Alabama. So can you describe some of your successful tactics and strategies for just attracting top talent nationally? Well, look, we have now three recruiters in-house, and they have been game changers for us. And um, it's a lot of hard work on my part because I've given them a script. We're talking about the attorneys, and if I'm going to hire an attorney, I'm going to hire them. So I'll have 10 names every day, and I have to kind of flip through them. But once I get on the phone with someone, and I mean this very respectfully, and Rex will say this, it only takes about 10 minutes to know if he's the real guy or not the guy, but because we have our own language. I think the IT people have their own language, but lawyers know. And it's not like, well, how many cases have you tried? It's a lot more than that. You know, how many verdicts do you have? But you know, I'm being funny. I mean, you know, the old saying, uh, Simeon Boulevard, the Renaissance man from 200 years ago, he said, killers recognize killers. And you know, when you're talking to someone who either has the capability of doing it, if he's already done it, you know he can do it. And so in that scenario, does he want to continue to do it? Or has he made too much money or something? Or you know this young man's got potential. We've had a lot of success, I would say, to any personal injury lawyers. They're out of law school maybe six or seven years, and they're young and they're smart and they're bright. And as John Morgan would say, they're hungry. There's an opportunity 
to maybe come from the defense side or from another plaintiff's firm where they can actually double the amount of money. That's why most people leave. Talented people feel like they're being underpaid. And if there's an opportunity, and then of course we explain our vision. I think it does help. The success we've had helps us attract talent. It's been really good. And that's how we've done it. And I mean this respectfully too. I've always hired in the anticipation that I'm going to be successful. You have a gut feeling. You know if your business is going this way or this way. Call it momentum in football or whatever you want to call it. For the most part, we've never downsized. So I guess that speaks for itself. And so you have to take chances sometimes. I went and rented this larger building the other day. And he's like, we only got seven people going in there. That's what Mitri told me. I was like, yeah, but a year from now, it's going to have 37 in it. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> so you got to set your goal. Like it makes you get up. I got to fill this room up. Yes, absolutely. With the pressure, it will make it happen. So Josh, as you have grown and scaled and you've put in obviously processes and things like that, how would you say things changed by implementing a process to hiring? Definitely better quality and consistency. Alex is talking about making sure that you're really aggressive as far as putting those job recs out, making sure that you have forecasting for what you're going to need for what your growth capacity is. It's crazy to say, I want to do 12 million bucks with the staff that I have that I was doing 3 million bucks with. And what happens is you don't want to burn your staff out. You don't want to make sure that they're doing crazy stuff. Our culture is really strong about helping the families that we help, but also having a good work-life balance. And I know that's not everybody's culture, but for us, that attracts a lot of our talent. So our team is out the door at 4.30 every day. And that's important to them. And so making sure that whenever we're getting the people trained up, they aren't taking a million hours to do something that should only take three, making sure that we have the hiring process in place, that we're finding the right matches, screening out the people that just interview well. So especially on attorney sides, I think that attorneys interview better than most people or most candidates do. Making sure that if you have the same title role as what other people have, like our front desk is drastically different than probably what a lot of people's reception is. And so that the person coming into that role understands what the expectations and the jobs are. We started offering the KPIs to potential candidates so that they aren't shocked whenever they come on board because we used to just bring everybody in and then the first week tell them what their KPIs were. And they were like, whoa, that's not what I was expecting. And so that weeds people out, but just constantly looking at that funnel has been key. Awesome. And as we're going to start wrapping up the panel in just a moment, I want to kind of close with each of you and really saying, what do you wish you knew when you were growing your firm and when you were adding people and something that you know now that you wish you knew then? And I'll let you start, Rex. Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said at first. I wish I had clearly defined our mission and our purpose at the outset because what we find is that we can hire based on that mission and purpose. We do the crisp hiring process, but we do other things too. I don't care if they're a federal law clerk. I send them down a writing exercise. And if somebody says to me, sorry, I'm too good for that, they're out right away. So if I could do it all over again, I mean, mission and purpose and clearly defining that, not just for yourself and your team, but to the outside world, believe me, it attracts people. They follow you. They understand what you're doing. That's what I would have done differently if I'd done it 20 years ago. Awesome. Thank you. Anna? Yeah, I really wish we had done when we were smaller, when we were younger, for our staff, what we were doing for ourselves. A lot of times we are annual planning. We're working that backwards down into monthly goals and daily goals. We have a vision. We have a place we want to reach in five years. 
and we're goal setting and we're doing what it takes to hit those goals. But when's the last time you asked your staff what their five-year plan is, right? What their 10-year plan is, how you're going to help them grow and then help them plan out how you're going to get them there because that's why they would stay, right? When you're invested in their vision and integrating them into your business. And if I had known that five years ago, I think we'd be in a different place. Thank you for that. Josh? The thing I probably learned the most is if any of you guys are sitting at your table and asking people around you if you need to fire somebody, the answer is yes. The thing that I want to focus on and I hope I can answer next year is the development of leaders in my team. We haven't done a great job of creating people across the timeline that it really takes to promote from within the way that I'd want to. And it's very expensive to go hire some of those leaders outside the team because it's hard to find a good cultural fit and test them out. And it costs $600,000 whenever you get it wrong. We've had a lot of turnover on our C-suite in the last two years, just finding the right person. And by God, it's been massively expensive. My law firm is 23 years old. So my first thought would be that I wish Chris was here 23 years ago, but you guys were in middle school. <laughs> but on a serious note, everything really. I was talking to Josh and Anna about the digital space, right? I just started in the digital space in 2017. And for five or six years, I've been trying to figure it out. But when my firm started, Google sponsored ads for 25 cents. So could you have imagined if I would have known, even though we were doing traditional, it has helped us. But if you think of all the lawyers that were traditional, like none of us thought about it either. I know every one of the four or five household names in states, every single one of us missed the digital, even though people were doing it and corporate America was doing it. Yeah, it took till about 17 for it to flip over across corporate America. But then even... Hiring thoroughbreds, right? Well, maybe you can hire them at that young, but at least finding a good lawyer to help you. Having training, having staff, culture, everything that you've taught us for the last five, six years, I wish I would have known all that back then. And our good friend Harlan says, you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know, but I'm grateful moving forward and I'm excited and I'm as optimistic about our future as I've ever been. I want to give a huge thank you to Alex, Josh, Anna, and Rex for taking the time to share their wisdom and insights with us at the Game Changer Summit. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney podcast with me, Jessica Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at gamechangingattorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on these incredible law firm owners and other highlights from this year's Game Changer Summit, see the show notes for this episode in your podcast app or visit legalpodcast.com.